Hi, everyone. My name is George Davis, and I want to thank you for joining us for this online service here at Hershey Free Church on this Memorial Day weekend. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we'll get there in a moment. When I was a senior in college, I was uh, just trying to sort out next steps, what, what I would be doing after college. I was planning on going to seminary, but I wasn't really sure where I should go. And one afternoon, I was sitting in the office of one of my favorite professors and having this conversation. And in the course of that conversation, he said, well, George, if I had it to do over again, I would go to Trinity, uh, which is a seminary outside of Chicago. It's actually the seminary of our denomination. And as it turns out, that that conversation really became uh, very helpful for me in making my decision. I didn't realize it at the time, but in so many ways, in so many ways, that conversation in my prof's office that afternoon was a defining moment in my life. A few months later, I'm moving to the suburbs of Chicago, and it would be, it would be during that first semester that Rose and I would meet, and my move to Trinity would also introduce me to this denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America, and I've now been a part of this movement of churches for over 20 years. And so in so many ways, that one conversation was really instrumental in shaping the trajectory of my life. Now, what about you? What about you? Are, uh, you know, are, there, are there situations, circumstances, decisions, conversations, experiences that, that are part of your life that now as you look back, you would say, you know what, those have been defining moments for me. Just just think about, I mean, just wrestle with that question uh, for a little while. In fact, if you've got, if you're going to have lunch today with friends or family, maybe this is a conversation starter for you. What's been, what have, what have been the defining moments in your life? As you think about that, let me remind you that we are working our way through the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is writing to a, a group of early followers of Jesus Christ, a, a group that seems to be under stress. They're under stress because they're now being influenced and, uh, by false teachers, and they've encountered false teaching. We don't know the details of this false teaching, but it really does appear to include both mystical and legalistic elements. Um, and I think, among other things, it is teaching that in different ways undermines the supremacy of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ. It's teaching that that's creating within this church a sense of inadequacy and in, uh, a sense of insecurity. It's teaching that is pulling them in the wrong direction. And, and so Paul wants them to respond well to this teaching. He doesn't want them to be taken captive by false beliefs. We've already seen that in chapter 2. Likewise, even as he doesn't want them to be taken captive, he, he does want them to move forward in a healthy direction. He wants them to continue growing in their faith so that more and more they reflect the character of Christ. We're going to see this as we continue working through the book. And this includes getting rid of certain kinds of behaviors and attitudes and developing new behaviors and attitudes. It also includes investing in relationships well. And he's, he's going to unpack what that looks like for us. But before he does that, he takes time really to, to highlight certain defining moments in the life of a Christian. He takes time to remind them and us of our identity. 
So even, even as he's saying to them, you know, don't go in this direction. Don't be held captive. Instead, I want you to move in this direction to more and more reflect the character of Christ. Even as he is saying this right in the middle of this book, he says, in order to do this well, you, you need to understand the moments that define you as a follower of Christ. You need to understand your new identity. And so this is what we're going to look at uh, as we continue our journey through this book today. We want to see what Paul says are the defining moments that should shape our sense of who we are as followers of Jesus. And, and as we're going to see, I think really what Paul is getting at is this. <laughs> he wants them to respond well to their situation. But he understands this. If, if you want to respond well, you need to remember who you are. He's going to hit on the theme of identity. And I think, you know what, he would say the same thing to you and me. I mean, we're in this situation where we are moving forward and slowly coming out of this pandemic. And for some of us, likewise, we're, we're going through maybe particular transitions related to the pandemic or related to our situation in life. Uh, for some of us in families, there have been graduations this year and changes in school and work. And, and if you want to respond well right now to what you are facing, the Apostle Paul says, remember who you are. And ultimately, remember whose you are. To show you uh, how he says this in Colossians, let's now come to Colossians chapter 3. Here's how Colossians 3 begins. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, as we've already seen in Colossians, this, this is a densely packed letter. Paul says so much with an economy of words. And I think to kind of get at, at what he's saying here, let me try to give you a structure for this paragraph. And I think that the structure looks something like this. To understand what Paul is getting at, understand that right in the middle of this paragraph are two commands. And, and they're closely related. Set your hearts or, or seek the things above and then set your mind on things above. We'll get to those uh, kind of directives in a moment but I think a, a natural question is well why should Paul why should I take this seriously why should I pay attention to what you are instructing us to do and and the answer to that question is this Paul brackets Paul brackets these commands with reference to what are really two defining moments in the life of Christians uh, he brackets these commands by reminding us that, that our identity is, is really rooted in two foundational moments for us as believers. First, uh, the first defining moment really looks back. He says, since you have been raised with Christ. Later, he says, you've died. So the, he, he looks back and says, you know, you have, you have died and you have been raised with Christ. And what he's getting at is this. When you become a follower of Jesus... You actually become united with Christ in his death and resurrection, right? 
I mean, we understand through Scripture that, that this broken world in which we live has been invaded by the work of Christ. God has invaded our broken world and, and, and has initiated his plan of rescue and renewal and restoration. That plan has invaded the, the present world of sin and death. And when you become a follower of Jesus, you're, you, in a real sense, are now identified with this plan. You are identified with Christ's death and resurrection. Now, it's true that the, the reality of sin and brokenness still can influence us deeply, yet the truth is we have, we have died to that. We have died to the old approach to life. The, the old has now invaded, or has now been invaded by the new, the new work of Christ. And, and so our identity is now rooted in that new work. So part of the reason Paul says you need to take these commands seriously is he looks back and says, look, you've, you've died. You've already been raised with Christ. You're, you're already rooted in this new reality. But not only does Paul look back, he also looks forward. And you get to the end of this paragraph, and, and he, he says, you know what? You're, you died. Your life is hidden in Christ. And one day, one day you will appear with him. One day, who you truly are as a follower of Christ will be revealed. And, of course, it's a reference to Christ's return. And so Paul says, look, if, if you're going to respond well to what you're facing right now, you need to understand who you are, and your identity is shaped by these defining moments. You've been raised. One day you be, will be revealed. Because you are a follower of Christ, you have died to the old way of doing things. You have been raised with him to, to participate in his new work of, of rescue, renewal, and restoration. Furthermore, one day who you truly are will finally and ultimately be revealed. So Paul says, let those defining moments shape how you address this moment right now. In other words, Paul is saying, look, let your present be shaped by your past and your future and how is it to be shaped well he says you're, you're to set your hearts on things above you're to set your mind on things above now, now we need to hear these statements carefully because I think we've all heard the phrase you know you can be so heavenly minded you're of no earthly good and you, and you may read this and think well does he think you know that I I should think so much about heaven that I'm not really concerned about the everyday, ordinary experiences of my life. That's not what he's saying at all. Instead, what he is saying is this. I want you to engage these everyday, ordinary experiences with an understanding that Jesus is Lord and that your identity is now deeply rooted in your relationship with him. Remember, he, he reminds us that Christ is seated in heaven. It's a, it's a powerful image in Jewish thought because in Jewish thought, only God is seated in heaven. And he's not seated to relax. He's, he's seated to reign. So Paul says, let this understanding of Christ and who you are in Christ shape how you engage this moment. You've been raised. You will be revealed. These defining moments should shape your identity. Now, 
as, as Paul is talking about identity here, as he's talking about it, I think it's a good time for us to think about it in, in, in personal terms. So here's my question to you. Uh, what shapes your sense of identity? What, what shapes your sense of identity? Now, I realize our, our sense of identity, kind of how we look at ourselves, that's a complicated reality. I mean, it's, it's influenced by all sorts of things, including, and this isn't a complete list, but here's some of the things that can influence our kind of our self-perception, our sense of self. Things like race, ethnicity, culture, gender, family, relationships, experiences, education, achievements, possessions, occupation. So I, I want to acknowledge up front, when we talk about you know, our sense of identity, this is a complicated topic, and I don't, I don't want to deny that. Nonetheless, I think for each of us, in understanding our, ourselves and how we think about ourselves, there's, there's always some foundational starting point. There's some place where we begin, some kind of foundational place that really helps shape who we understand ourselves to be. So let me, let me just mention a couple of ways uh, that we shape our identity. I think one way that many kind of people start, one of the starting places, one of the ways that many people would say, this is how you shape your identity, is, is this. You, you shape your, your identity by looking inward, look inside, right? Be, be true to yourself, follow your dreams, follow your heart. Some of you are going to attend graduation ceremonies or have attended graduation ceremonies this graduation season, and that's that may be a message you hear, you know, to graduate. You need to look within and be true to yourself. In fact, a, a polling data suggests that most Americans believe that the best way to find yourself is, is by looking inward. However, <laughs> when you think about it, there really, is, there really is a downside to this approach. Among other things, the downside of looking in is this. It, it really all depends on you. I mean, what happens when I fail to live up to my expectations? What happens when I fail to live up to my desires and dreams? What happens if my desires and dreams change over time? Is the real per me the person that I want to become, or is it the person I am right now? What happens when my desires don't align? What happens when some of my desires may be good and others are unhealthy or harmful? Which is the real me? You see, there's, there's a downside to simply looking within. Now, not surprisingly, this isn't the only way that I think people start in terms of understanding who they are. Some start by looking inward. Others start by looking out. I mean, and, and looking around and foundational for in these contexts, foundational to who I am is allowing my, my life, my sense of identity to be defined by my context, by my relationships, my family, my friends. Um, my sense of self is, is defined by the verdict of others. Now, I think this approach also can have problems. Among other things, if, you know, if, if my sense of self is, is really defined by others by looking out, it can encourage me really to, 
to simply create an image that I want others to see and to do my best to hide behind that image. For instance, I can engage social media in a way that I carefully craft and curate what others see of me. That's what I want them to affirm. That's what I want them to like. But in doing that, is that, is that really who I am? By contrast, really, in this text, <laughs> Paul isn't talking about looking in or looking out. He's saying this is where you start. You start by looking up. You start by understanding that if you are a follower of Christ, you have been raised. <laughs> You're now grounded in his death and resurrection. And one day, your life will truly be revealed. Now I realize, you know what? I think for some of you, you're saying, okay, George, you're talking about the fact that as Christians, our identity is in Christ. But I've heard that so many times before. It kind of leads right to that so what question. So what? What difference does this make? I mean, how does it actually change the way I live? Well, in answering that question, let me just draw your attention to one more part of this paragraph. Right? Remember, Paul says, you have, you've been raised. One day you will be revealed. But he also says right now your life is hidden in Christ in God. You've been raised. One day you'll be revealed. And right now you are hidden with Christ in God. Now what does that mean? Well, I, think, I really do think there are multiple dimensions to that imagery. Among other things, to be hidden is to be known. Uh, it, the language used here implies personal connection, personal relationship. To be hidden in Christ is to, to be known by God. Furthermore, I think if you pay careful attention to how this language can be used in the New Testament, to be hidden is not simply to be known, it's also to be loved. Already Paul has said that, that all the, the treasures that God has for us, all the wisdom and knowledge that he has for us are, are found in Christ. They're hidden in Christ. So to be hidden is to be loved. And, and I'll just highlight one more dimension to this imagery. To be hidden is to be secure. I mean, Paul says, look, you're, you are hidden in Christ, but one day that which is secure now will be truly revealed when Christ comes again. To be hidden is to understand that our identity, our future is secure in this relationship. When I think about this imagery, <laughs> one kind of interesting life experience that comes to mind involves this building. When I was a student at the University of Cambridge, one afternoon, I was walking into this building. This is the university library. And I went into the main entrance. I walked up the main staircase. And as I was moving around the building, I, I turned onto a main corridor. And as I turned onto this main corridor, I came around, came around the corner. wasn't really watching where I was going. I turned the corner quickly. <laughs> and when I turned the corner, I bumped into a large man dressed in a suit, <laughs> carrying an automatic weapon. Now, he was moving in the other direction, and he kept moving. He moved me out of the way and forced me to take several steps back. And, of course, this was kind of a bit confusing momentarily. I'm not accustomed to seeing armed people in a library. But as I took several steps back, I realized this guy was actually part 
of a tight group of individuals, all heavily armed, moving in formation, walking briskly. And they were walking toward the exit of the building. So they, they quickly walked past me and then ultimately down those steps that I had just come up. And within a matter of seconds, this entire group was out of view. Later that day, I was able to piece together what had happened. And here's what actually happened that day. <laughs> uh, it turns out I had bumped into, literally, the security detail for the president of Israel. He had been in the library uh, viewing a collection of ancient medieval manuscripts, and, and obviously I had bumped into his security detail as they were leaving the building. So somewhere hidden in that group of heavily armed individuals was the president of Israel. I, I just didn't see it at the time. In a similar way, I think, if, if you are a follower of Christ, Paul wants you to understand that you've been raised, you will be revealed, but right now your life is hidden in Christ. And that means you're known, <laughs> you're loved, and you're secure. And, and I think if you, you ask Paul the so what question, Paul, so what, what difference does it make to really take this identity seriously as a follower of Christ? If, if you ask Paul the so what question, he would say this, this, this identity of understanding that you've been, you've been raised, you will be revealed, and you're now hidden, this identity leads you into a new way of life. That's why, that's why this, this sense of identity is so important. It brings you into a new way of life. And that is exactly what he will unpack for the rest of the letter of Colossians. And as, as you see then in verse 5, he's going to start by saying, in light of this new identity, you know what? There's certain behaviors, certain attitudes that you need to get rid of. And, and you need to get rid of them because they're part of the old way of doing things. They're part of the old way of living that is passing away, that is rooted in the reign of sin and death. But now your identity is already in the new. Your identity is already rooted in that new work of God, the new kingdom of God. And, and so you need to live in light of this new identity. And you need to move away from those attitudes and those behaviors that are inconsistent with who you now are. A few days ago, I was in a conversation with someone I just met. And to be honest with you, um, <laughs> I kind of botched part of the conversation. During part of the conversation, I didn't realize it at the time, but I used a phrase that really bothered him. And, and right at the end of the conversation, the guy I just met, he, he told me that. I mean, he was gracious, but he told me that in very clear terms. How do, I, how do I respond to a situation like that? Well, I guess, you know, I could, I could just look in and, and become defensive and say, you know what, he didn't really understand my motivation. He doesn't really know me. He shouldn't have taken offense at what I said. 
I could, I could look out and I could be deeply embarrassed and, and even devastated by that conversation because I just made a bad impression on someone. Someone I just met. I mean, what does he think of me? What's, what's he going to say to me the next time we meet? Or I can look up. Someone whose identity, right, is, is now rooted in the fact that I've been Raised, I will be revealed, but now my life is hidden in Christ. And I can look up and say, you know what, I want to learn from this. I realize my phraseology was not helpful. I can handle those conversations differently in the future. And, and, and you see, the truth is, and this is what Paul is getting at, that as we develop the sense of identity through the work of the Spirit, we become empowered to leave certain attitudes and certain behaviors behind because they're just inconsistent with who we now are as followers of Jesus. Likewise, as I embrace this identity, I think I will be encouraged to develop certain traits, certain character patterns that lead to flourishing relationships. And Paul is going to talk about this as well. And all of it flows out of this new identity that we have in Jesus. Because the truth is this, relationships are central to being united with Christ. I mean, his plan of rescue and renewal doesn't simply bring us into a new relationship with him. It brings us into new relationships with one another as a Christian community. And so when I embrace When I embrace my new identity, I also embrace the importance of these new relationships. And I'm encouraged to develop the skills to help those relationships flourish. And he's going to talk about what that looks like over the course of the next few paragraphs. And just as an aside, I would say, you know, this is one of the reasons as a church community, as as we're coming out of COVID, that we're, we're really viewing this as a season of reconnecting. And, and I just want to encourage you to think in those terms again. It's, it's a season where we need to be building into relationships. Even this week, I, I was encouraged just to hear several stories of, of different things people are doing just to reconnect with others. Simple things like having people over, going out for coffee, kind of creating events to bring people together. And, and I would encourage you to think about that as, as well in your life. I mean, what is it? What does it look like for you to help us reconnect? And in a real sense, that's part of living out your identity as a follower of Jesus. So, over the next couple of weeks, Paul is is going to unpack for us what this new way of life looks like. And as he does so, here's here's what I want you to keep in mind. As he does this... um, I want you to keep, keep reminding yourself this new way of life flows out of my new identity. This new way of life represents who I truly am now as a follower of Jesus. This new way of life flows out of the fact that I have been raised. One day I will be revealed. And now at present my life is hidden with Christ in God. So, if I'm going to embrace this moment well, if I'm going to respond well to my current situation, I need to remember who I am. Let's pray together.
Gracious God, as Paul is about to describe this new way of life, before he does that, he, he reminds us of these defining moments. He reminds us of our identity. And Father, I, I pray particularly for us as a church community right now. I pray for us in the context of our relationships with one another. That in the midst of, of all that's going on, we, we can remember that our life truly is defined by these moments. Our life is defined by the fact that as followers of Christ, we have been raised. It's defined by the fact that one day we will be revealed. And it's defined by the fact that even now our life is hidden with you. And that means we are known, we are loved, we are secure. And, and that identity just ushers us into a new way of life. So I, I pray that we would be willing to embrace that. And, and Father, I pray that for some of us right now, you would help us connect the dots as we're wrestling with maybe certain decisions, certain transitions, certain complications that we are needing to work through. Would you help us connect the dots to see that to, to respond well right now, I need to remember who I am. To engage this moment well right now, I need to remember who I am. So with that in mind, Father, may we be people who live out of this new identity, made possible through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for joining us for uh, this service. Thanks for joining us as we start a new week, as we continue our journey through the book of Colossians. And I encourage you to see that if you are to engage this moment well, you need to remember who you are. Amen.